How do I fix low blood sugar on vegan keto? This is a clip from a live Q&A session open to CMJ Masterpass members. In addition to this episode, you can access lots of other free samples from these sessions at the first link in the description. All right, the last runner-up is from Shirlene Clemens, who says, is there something nutritionally significant about having low blood sugar on keto? Is low blood sugar on keto because I have diabetes type 2 in my family or something to do with the keto way of eating? My husband can do keto without losing control of his blood sugar. On keto, my blood sugar falls too low. The same thing happens if I try to do a 72-hour fast. I've tried twice, and at 70 hours, I experience alarming symptoms and have to eat something to bring my blood sugar up from 2.3 millimoles per liter. If I eat only one meal a day, my blood sugar seems to go down to 3.4 millimoles per liter, where I get shaky dizziness symptoms. Ketones can be between 1.3 and 2.8. Also, is there something about keto that interferes with hot flashes as they are not as bad on keto? I'm doing vegan keto with no free oils, but lots of avocado and whole coconut not the coconut water, is very doable except for the blood sugar issues, which means that sometimes I have to have a tiny keto-friendly snack before bed. Thank you. Um, as an American, I think in milligrams per deciliter. So to help myself and the other, uh, <laughs> the other Americans in here, I'm going to convert these, these levels to... Uh, to milligrams per deciliter. All right, so the two levels were 2.3 millimoles per liter after a 70-hour fast, and one meal a day gets down to 3.4. So 3.4 millimoles per liter is... Where did it go? Uh, 61.3 milligrams per deciliter. And then what was the other one? 2.3. So after an overnight fat, after a 70-hour fast, her blood glucose gets down to 41.4 milligrams per deciliter. And... After uh, and on one meal a day, her blood glucose will go to like 61 milligrams per deciliter. Um, so my first suggestion uh, would be that on a vegan diet, you are almost certainly not getting enough protein. And I'm not saying that vegans can't get enough protein. But any diet that is made vegan will, by virtue of being vegan, be dramatically lower in protein than a diet that is not vegan. And when you are keto, you are putting more stress on your need for protein because you are relying on protein being broken, being turned into glucose in a process called gluconeogenesis. And if you if you think to, back to the rationale of why does a ketogenic diet even exist, there's nothing obvious about the fact that you should be able to make a vegan keto diet work well. Um, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying that, the, that it sort of 
it should have to prove itself. It's it's not obvious that uh, it just everyone should be able to do vegan keto. So, you know, the, the ketogenic diet was well. Let's back up. So the reason the reason that ketogenesis exists is because during extended fasting, if you could not convert muscle, uh, if you could not spare the need for glucose you would have to rely entirely on the conversion of muscle protein into glucose to feed the brain. And you would be able to get away with far fewer days of extended fasting before you die of complete uh, muscle catabolism, complete lean mass catabolism. So ketogenesis exists so that we can basically cut down the amount of muscle that we need to break down during fasting into a quarter of what we would otherwise have to break down because the brain primarily relies on ketones and we need much less glucose. Therefore, we need much less protein to turn into glucose. Therefore, we need to break down muscle protein much less. So the Mayo Clinic developed the ketogenic diet in the 1920s because they were treating seizures with phenobarbital. And phenobarbital has a lot of negative effects just in terms of sort of global central nervous system depression. And one of the alternatives was fasting. But the problem with fasting is that you can't fast for very long until you die. I'm not saying three days, but you know you can't fast for three months in most cases. Uh, at some point, you hit starvation and you die. So they were saying, is there a way that we can mimic fasting in order to get the benefit of fasting for seizures so that we can stop using phenobarbital? And notice that when it was invented, the ketogenic diet was not invented for medication refractory epilepsy like it's like it's used for today. It was invented to replace the medication. They wanted to throw the medication in the trash and use the keto diet. And the whole basis was so that they, you know, so that they could get the benefits of fasting without the muscle protein breakdown that would be required to fuel glucose demand for the brain, right? So if you cut glucose demand by the brain by 75% with ketones during fasting, you still have 25% of the rate of muscle protein breakdown that you need to engage in in order to make glucose to fuel the brain. So the question became, can we supply food that will lead, lead to being calorically neutral. And of course, you have calorie demands too. It's, it's, not, it's not just the muscle protein breakdown. So on, during extended fasting, you're also in a 100% caloric deficit and you will eventually have to break down tissue not just for glucose to fuel the brain, but, but just to, to meet the, the ATP demand. So the ketogenic diet was developed to A, be calorically neutral so that there's no demand to break down lean tissue to fuel calories. And the only demand you have is to break down muscle protein to turn into glucose to feed the brain. 
but you don't have to be zero protein on the ketogenic diet. So if you can put protein in the ketogenic diet, then you're calorically neutral. And then you can also minimize the amount of protein that you need to get from your muscles because you're getting it from the protein in your diet. All right, now, if you do vegan keto, whatever the keto diet was, if you went from non-vegan to vegan, the protein went down, right? So the protein goes down, that means that you are now reducing the benefit of the keto diet versus fasting and you are shifted towards needing to engage in more muscle protein breakdown in order to fuel gluconeogenesis. Gluconeogenesis is also, it's energy dependent. You need ATP to engage in it. So it's more difficult when you're fasting. So even though you should be able to fast without your blood sugar going to dangerous levels, it it's not surprising that on a vegan keto diet, you would have more trouble maintaining your blood sugar than you would have on a non-vegan keto diet because your protein level is probably lower. Now, do you have to go off off of uh, the vegan diet to, to fix that? No, you could just use a protein supplement. So the first thing I would look at is what is your protein intake? And if your protein intake is less than a half a gram per, um, well, Okay, you think in kilograms. So if your muscle protein is less than uh, 0.8 grams per kilogram body weight, you really should try to bring it up. And if you need to bring it up with pea protein or whatever, if you're you know wedded to the to the the vegan part of this, then uh, then try that. But you know. And it, the other thing is you have to think about like, why are you on keto? Because, uh, you know, how important is it that your ketones are between 1.3 and 2.8? Because if if you can bring the, the protein up even higher than that, like up to 1.2 grams per kilogram body weight, you're probably going to have an even easier time maintaining your blood sugar if protein is the problem and your, your ketones are going to be lower, but you know, how much do you care about whether your ketones are 1.3 to 2.8? That all depends on why are, why are you keto in the first place? Uh, you know, if you're not trying to treat epilepsy, you probably don't need ketones at a particular level, unless you're trying to treat the, the hot flashes because uh, you did say they're benefiting that. That might be a benefit from the ketones. So you have to think about like, how important is it for your ketones to be at a certain level? How much protein can you tolerate and maintain them there? Higher protein is generally going to ha- probably going to help your blood sugar, um, e- even though even though at some point it's going to lower your ketones. So you have to figure out where you where you are in that trade off. Now, is it all about protein? No. So there are uh, all kind you know all like I was saying before, all the nutrients are needed for energy metabolism. ATP is needed as an input. To gluconeogenesis, and so if you if you have any problem with ATP, then it can impact your gluconeogenesis. So just go back to the my answer to the last question. That entire <laughs> that entire answer to that question factors into why could you have a problem with gluconeogenesis? But the nutrients that really stand out as being as being particularly involved in gluconeogenesis are biotin, vitamin B six, manganese, magnesium, and niacin. So you might want to look at and I would say from among these, the ones that are less likely to be involved in other aspects of energy metabolism 
and therefore truly disproportionately important in gluconeogenesis are really biotin and B6. So I would look first at your biotin status, your B6 status. Second, I would look first at your protein. Second, I would look at your biotin B6 status. Notice that protein actually raises your requirement for biotin and B6. So think about that both in terms of what you are eating and also for what I've laid out in the cliff notes for the uh, biotin and B6 requirements as a function of protein intake. Uh, you have free access to the Cliff Notes as a MasterPass member, so just go to eBooks in the menu, click on Cliff Notes, and look up those two sections. After that, I would look at manganese, magnesium, and niacin as the third tier, and then I would look at you know any. Go back to what I said before: comprehensive screening for any new, new, new nutrient. See the cheat sheet. You also have free access to that under eBooks in the menu. Um, any nutrient is potentially going to hurt your gluconeogenesis, and then finally. There are many genes that can be impacted to a small degree or to a large degree that might be hurting your ability to engage in gluconeogenesis. So if you go down the protein, biotin B6, manganese, magnesium, niacin, all the other nutrient rabbit holes, and you still have this problem, then you might have a a genetic uh, impairment in gluconeogenesis in which case you're not a good candidate for being on such a being so carbohydrate restricted you know unless whatever you know unless you can manage this in a way that you avoid the risk of hypoglycemia and get the benefit for your hot flashes and that you know i can only speculate but my first speculation would be that because ketones promote gaba that is you know that is why they are used for uh, for epilepsy, then I think more GABA in the hypothalamus in the thermo thermo uh, in the enteroception centers of the hypothalamus where the uh, body heat is perceived and regulated. Uh, I think I think it's possible that more GABA there might ramp down the sensation of needed to mobilize to produce heat and that might be the mechanism but that's just a speculation all right thank you for your question Shirlene. i hope that helped this is a clip from a live q a session open to cmj masterpass members in addition to this episode you can access lots of other free samples from these sessions at the first link in the description if you want to become a MasterPass member so that you can participate in the next live Q&A or so that you can have access to the complete recording and transcript of each Q&A session, you can join at chrismasterjohnphd.com masterpass. You can save 10% off the subscription price for as long as you remain a member by signing up at chrismasterjohnphd.substack.com slash Q&A. That's Q&A spelled out as Q-A-N-D-A. These links are in the description.